Welcome back, Chiefs fans, to Red Kingdom Border Fuel's brand new Chiefs-centric podcast. As always, I'm your host, Byron Smith. This week, we got Britt Zank, we got Christopher Tenpenny, we got Keaton Henry. We're talking all things Eagles. We're talking all things about the Bills. We're talking all things Kansas City Chiefs. Just stick around, and we're jumping right into the action. All right, guys, welcome back for our first segment of the Red Kingdom. I brought in two of our favorite writers here from Red Kingdom. I brought in Keaton Henry, owner, director, everything special about Border Fuel Sports, the guy who technically founded Red Kingdom, Keaton Henry, and then Christopher Tenpenny, co- or host of the Flyover Sports podcast, former co-host of Border Fuel Live, um, also was a writer for Border Fuel for a while. Thank you guys for coming on. How are you guys doing today? Doing pretty good, man. How about yourself? Doing well. How are you, Keaton? All right, Keaton's muted. So uh, we, are, we of course, this is the day after the Chiefs beat the Philadelphia Eagles. And what was pretty much a shellacking, 42-30 to 30 is the final score. The score looks a little closer than it was, and the score doesn't even look close. Um, was there ever a point in that game where either of you thought Kansas City could realistically lose this game? No, I mean, they were they were moving the ball at will. Of course, the defense was giving up some points. And, you know, that's that's been a, a talking point for a lot of people this year. But they were able to hold Philly to field goals. And once that first or second field goal happened, it was like, OK, you, you, you missed your opportunity. Any chance the Eagles had of, of staying with the Chiefs at that point was pretty much set in stone. The Chiefs were going to win this game. So it was it was pretty as far as Chiefs games go recently. It was definitely one of the more relaxing games I've watched in a while. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... Hey guys, sorry about the uh, technical issues. Yes, so uh, I'm right way, right there with you. Um, I, I mean, you know, of course, going into halftime, it's like, okay, this shouldn't be where we're at. We should not be 21 to 13. I mean, and this is just this is too close for comfort. You know, it's one of those situations where normally, you know, you go into a half, you're the Chiefs, you're normally winning by a lot by that point, and your only concern is, well, are we going to lay off the gas too much that it gets competitive late? Um, my only issue with this has always been the defense. I feel like 30 points for an Eagles team, which I understand they scored late, so technically 23, but against a better team, this is still a big issue. This is still, if this was, if this was the Ravens, if this was one of these other teams like this, this is still a big problem. So, no, I didn't feel like we were going to lose to the Eagles at any point in particular, um, but it still gives me pause for concern, you know, or cause for concern rather when it comes to when we play the Chargers again, uh, Raiders coming up, you know, all these games that, that have more pro- proficient and effective uh, offenses. Um, I'm, I'm a little worried. And of course, you mentioned games coming up. The Buffalo Bills game is this weekend, right? One of the most efficient offenses in NFL history coming up this weekend. Uh, mentioning NFL history, the Chiefs this weekend officially became the 14th mo- or DV- DVOA's 14th best NFL offense in history while being accompanied by the 23rd worst NFL defense in history. Um, there was a point during early in the game in the, se- in the first half where the Eagles were averaging more than a first down every time they snapped the ball 
Is this something that the Kansas City Chiefs are going to have to deal with long term? Or is this something that like they should be able to fix as the season goes on? I don't know if fix is the right word because, I mean, it's hard It's hard to overcome those kind of numbers. But you have to remember, too, like, regardless of how much he's getting paid, Frank Clark is a better player than most of the other guys are throwing out there. I mean, is he worth the contract? No, it's another discussion. But is he a better player? Yes. Willie Gay showed, like, he was amazing in spring training – or spring training, excuse me, baseball still on the mind in, – in training camp. And so getting him back is just going to make the defense more athletic. And then – I know, I know Hughes and Baker play decent at, at corner. Still, Shavarius Ward, while he has his ups and downs, is, is a guy out there that you do trust a little bit. And Rashad Fenton might be the best attack. As good as Snead is as a tackler corner, Fenton might be even better at it. So there's another physical athletic corner that you were missing. So there are some depth and some health uh, in the defense that is that should be coming back. Is, and if they move, they get smart and wise and, and move Chris Jones back into defensive tackle. Those and those few moves could at least make me make this team from arguably the worst defense to, you know, 20th, 22nd, that range, which isn't great. But when you have the best offense in the NFL, I mean, that should be good enough moving forward. Yeah, I agree with Chris. I mean, moving moving Chris inside is, is a must. I think after watching what the Ravens did in particular, and, and uh, I mean, we kind of highlighted it. Uh, Last week on our Go Runner Out show, we talked about this, the fact that literally Lamar Jackson will run will run up to wherever Chris Jones was standing and then just run completely around him. I don't know how – I mean, I understand very few, uh, if any, defensive linemen are going to be you know quick enough or athletic enough to make that kind of a move. But it's just clear when you're playing against teams that run a lot that <clears throat> running around the edge is going to be something they continue to do as long as Chris Jones is there. Uh, just because you have to understand a 300-pound guy is never going to be fast enough uh, to set the edge every single time like that to where that does not happen. And even when he does set the edge effectively, it goes right up back up the middle, right where he should have been had he been playing on the interior. So one way or another, wherever Chris Jones is not is instant weakness. Um, but I, th- I think what Chris kind of talked about as well, you know, getting Frank Clark back and, and possibly – giving yourself that flexibility to play uh, Jones more inside again uh, will certainly be helpful because right now it just looks like they don't adjust. It just looks like they don't make those adjustments. They don't put Jones inside as much as they said they were going to from the get-go. Maybe that's a Clark issue. Maybe it's not. I don't know. Um, Either way, I mean, obviously, like, like Chris said, getting Willie Gay back, I think is, is something that has to happen because you can see the lack of athleticism. Uh, displayed every single week, um, you know, for what's it wor- for what it's worth. Even though Jalen Hurts is certainly not Lamar Jackson coming out and dropping almost 50 yards rushing on us, uh, on top of almost 400 yards passing, like it just it's you see guys like this that have this athleticism. And by the way, Josh Allen is a freak himself. So um, I think you're going to continue to see this uh, against these types of quarterbacks. It, it doesn't really matter. You can't. You don't. The whole take one side of the field away or one element of, of an offensive strategy away doesn't work when you don't have the pieces to stop any of them. Um, so right now the Chiefs just don't have the full, you know, tool set to stop anything, um, at least entirely. Um, and, and, and if it weren't for the fact that Jalen Hurts is still a young quarterback, and I really love Jalen Hurts, by the way, but 
if it weren't for the fact that he's still young, he still makes quite a few uh, misreads and mistakes, and that, that pretty much the team around him is just nowhere near up to par, uh, this would this game would have been a whole lot closer towards the end uh, than it should have been. And, um, I mean, I, I certainly hope that, you know, additional pieces or maybe some recon, reconfiguring or retooling defensively will make some of these uh, – will make – some of these games a little bit better uh, from a Chiefs perspective. Um, but I think, you know, again, until you get those pieces back, you still have to find something. You have to do something, um, you know, whether whether that's going out and finding a guy, whether that's uh, shifting some guy. I mean, I'm, I'm not opposed to seeing more of, of some of the younger, uh, more youthful defensive ends that we have. That means that you get Chris Jones up in the middle and you have to, at least you stop that straight ahead run that, some of these teams are, are becoming more effective with um, the unfortunate part is once you get past the build, it's not necessarily as big of a concern anymore, but um, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I think they did fine in this game. I still, I mean, I don't know. I, I just have a lot of concerns still and hopefully some, some adjustments can be made. I just, I'm, I'm not entirely sure what the timeline looks there or looks like there and when, you know, how that will look when it does happen. Right, but you know where I had no concerns this weekend? I was on offense. The Kansas City Chiefs had seven drives, ended six of them with touchdowns, uh, ended one of them with an interception. The Kansas City Chiefs offense is clicking at a level that, like, even compared to their 2018, uh, 20, 2019 campaigns is incredible. Um, Mahomes ended the day with 278 yards, but five touchdowns. Um, for me, the front runner for the MVP is obviously Kyler Murray, but with those kind of numbers, Patrick Mahomes is on pace for 60 touchdowns. Is he still in the MVP race right now? Of course he's in the MVP race right now. I mean, we're four games in and the dude has 14 passing touchdowns. So, I mean, it's hard to argue with that. Yes. Kyler Murray has his team four and oh, and they look really good and he should be the front runner. I'm not going to argue that. And I think maybe Josh Allen with the way they've played the last three weeks could arguably second, but Mahomes and Dak Prescott and those kind of guys, they're all right there in that, in that second, third kind of range. So yeah, of course. I mean, you can't throw 14 touchdowns and be on pace for 60 and not be in the MVP conversation. Yeah, he, he definitely is. I mean, statistically speaking, especially um, I think after last week, like I really wanted to see what he could do to rebound from that. If that was going to kind of hang hang over his head a little bit, and again, coming into this week, right? Because yes, Josh Allen has had his uh, hiccups throughout the year uh, as well, but we all kind of know how Josh Allen likes to go. He'll have a couple of uh, really tough games that just, you're just like, I don't even know how this guy is, you know, better than average, but then the rest of the season looks completely different. So um, I think that he is the one thing you kind of highlighted Byron is the overall success of the offense. Like, I need, I still need more Clyde. You know what I mean? Like I have, even after this past week, I still need more Clyde. We saw it, uh, against the Rave, uh, the Ravens a little bit. Um, and then, uh, more against the Chargers. He's kind of on that uphill trend with getting touches. Um, and I need more of it still, you know, 14 carries, uh, is a lot for what Clyde has seen in his career so far. Um, but <clears throat> we see what happens when he does touch the ball. You know, when he gets a decent amount of carries, you can't just give it to him seven times and say, oh, well, he only got he only got 
uh, 30 yards, so we're just going to give up on it now because we're not getting big plays. Well, yeah, if you only give it to them that many times, of course you're not going to get big plays. You have to open it up a little bit. But I think you can see what when you actually bring out a fully balanced offense, what that even does to the passing game. That's why you get Mahomes getting five touchdowns. It's why you get Mahomes almost having as many touchdowns as incompletions in this game. It's because there's an actual threat uh, of the team running the ball. Um, and I understand there's tougher defenses, you know, that you're going to see that might prohibit some things, but I can pretty well assure you right now, it doesn't matter who we're playing week to week. They're more interested in, in stifling the passing attack than the running attack anyway. So you might as well take advantage of that. Now, will that affect Mahomes' numbers long-term? Maybe a little. But, again, I think we saw this uh, on Sunday that it doesn't have to. If you're playing full, like to full potential on the offensive line, and by the way, looks fantastic. If they're doing that every single week, then there's not a problem. And this could be one of the most prolific offenses the league's ever seen. Right. Uh, Clyde Edwards Flair, since that fumble on uh, Sunday Night Football against the Ravens, has been averaging 6.5 yards per carry, uh, has broken 100 yards two games in a row, although. Uh, there is skepticism there, right? The Chargers are the 31st worst run defense, of course, the 32nd being the Chiefs, and the uh, Eagles are still in the bottom seven run defenses. Is this sustainable for the Chiefs? Is the ability to run and pass the ball as effectively they have the last two weeks sustainable for them? Or do you think, especially this week against the Buffaloes who, or against the Bills, who have a fairly good defense, do you think they're going to hit some rock, uh, some rock walls? Yeah, I mean, I definitely think it's sustainable just because when you look at, you know, their, their three highest graded players, according to Pro Football Focus this week, was... Humphreys, Tooney, and, and Smith. So when your interior guys are your best offensive players, you're going to be able to run the ball. I don't care who's back there. I mean, throw me back there, and I, I might be able to fall forward for three, three and a half yards of carry. So, I, yes, I think it's sustainable. And with the way teams are going to continue, they want the Chiefs to, to beat them by a million cuts because for whatever reason, that sounds better than the 80-yard bomb to Tyreek. And then we saw eventually the Eagles got a little tired of that. They started to play up. They started to fill the box. And guess what? Tyreek got a couple of one-on-one -on, -one on the outside made him pay for that. So as long as it's not even really on Clyde, Clyde's job is to, you know, you have to be able to have vision and you have to be able to hold on to the ball. If he can do those two things, which have vastly improved over the last weeks. I mean, I don't think we're talking about how well his vision, his vision was terrible those first two weeks. Like it was so bad. And the last two, uh, the last two against the um, chargers and Eagles, again, it gets worse run defenses. He's at least seeing the holes. And if he can keep that up, then it's going to make teams decide to pick what, how they want to defend the Chiefs. And if you're doing that, it doesn't matter. So, again, it all starts with those three interior linemen. I mean, we can talk about the tackles on another date, but those three guys inside are killing it, and that's really what's going to keep this run game and this offense that much more lethal. Just a note yeah. before Keaton jumps in here. Uh, you mentioned Pro Football Focus, noting that Keat, or Creed Humphrey was the third highest rated offensive lineman in the entire league. Right. on Sunday. Yeah, so, I mean, definitely the offensive line is definitely proving that, you know, with time, this thing can really can really take off. Um, and I think, I think part of it is, you know, as Chris highlighted, Clyde kind of progressing with his vision, with his ability to actually see the whole, see the lanes uh, when they come available and do better with that. 
the other aspect of it is is on Andy Reid. It's it's literally you have to scheme some things, especially. I mean, literally three weeks ago, I said at at a certain point you have to start just relying on the things that you that you saw when you drafted him. You have to actually rely on the fact that he can line up outside. He can catch the ball. Uh, you even saw this. Uh, uh, Sunday night football with Tampa Bay, and they came out and they used Fournette in those in those types of situations. Um, that's exactly what you need to do because you drafted him with a first round pick for a reason. You know those traits, those abilities didn't just go away the day you drafted him. They still exist. You just have to find the best way to utilize it. And so, uh, starting last week when they played the Chargers, that was when you first kind of started to see some of these things. There were some screens, there was some, some movement, some motion, utilizing his, his ability to get outside. Um, and yeah, yeah, he's not, he's not Jamal Charles, but you have to understand that there is a certain aspect of, of quickness and of uh, uh, decision-making that Clyde did thrive on at LSU. And you have to give him those opportunities to utilize that build up confidence. Uh, the other thing is, uh, the more you run the ball and the more effectively you do you do so, uh, the quicker that offensive line is going to mesh together as well. So if you really want that offensive line to kick off kind of like they've started to do over the last couple of weeks and really show out a little bit more, this is how you do that. So even against the Bills, you still have to do your best to scheme this stuff in. You can't just give up on the run game like Andy Reid likes to do. You can't give it a, a you know – a good go in the first quarter, give him five touches and then stop. You know, you have to, you have to be, you have to rely on, on the creativeness uh, factor of it, which is something Andy Reid is, is very good at. So continue to do that, continue to give him touches, because if you don't, that's kind of where you become more 2018, just really one dimensional. And with the defense, the way that it is, it's going to be a problem. Uh, when you're playing against guys like Josh Allen, you almost need to go, you almost need to do what teams try to do to Mahomes. You need to ball control the heck out. And this is this is exactly how you do that. Right, absolutely. I t- totally agree there. Um, here as we close this segment, we're going to end it in a way that I, I'm going to – I think I'm going to make a tradition here on the podcast. I'm going to ask you, did that game make you feel better, worse, or the same about the Kansas City Chiefs? Did beating the Eagles 42-30 to make you feel better, worse or the same about the Kansas City Chiefs in 2021? I mean, I think uh, I felt the same. I didn't really change my opinion too much, but I also was one that hasn't really been freaking out quite as much as everyone else. I mean, one score games to the the Ravens and Chargers who are combined, what, if the Chargers win tonight, it'll be like six and two. Like that, those aren't terrible losses. And the Chiefs made a lot of bad mistakes in those games on both sides of the ball. So I've always been... Stay the fan. I still think they're a top three team in the NFL and beating. Yes, the defense is still a concern, but it's been pretty much a concern since Patrick Mahomes has gone under center. So I haven't really been too worried about it. They did. They took care of business in Philadelphia. And I think that there's still a lot of things to be positive and encouraged about this team, especially as they get a little healthier and hopefully a little more athletic on the defensive side of the football. Yeah. Um, I don't really think it changed anything for me. I mean, it's crazy to think of, but five touchdowns from Mahomes does not shock the world. I mean, that's certainly a possibility. We, in 2018, we saw a lot of that possibilities for sure. And, and the last couple of years, it's been a little uh, dulled down. But um, I don't think this really changes anything for me. I still have the same concerns I had going into it. 
Um, the only thing I guess that, that, again, that you can continue to take away as a positive is, is the hope that we're becoming a more efficient style of offense rather than a very one-dimensional style. The one-dimensional, again, it works. Uh, we know we know Patrick Mahomes hurling the ball over the yard does in fact work. Um, but again, I, I was pleasantly surprised by the efficiency that we had that we had offensively. We weren't um, again. It was the Eagles. Uh, and, you know, I just I just thought the offense looked really good. Now again, we need to carry that into next week for that to actually stay in uh, pat. We go into next week and we kind of revert back to the chargers and ravens then i'm a little concerned because yes while those two teams are very good and yes the, the bills are very good we we have to be expected to beat those teams um we have to hold that standard highly because that does in fact matter it really i mean especially against the bills because this really does matter when it comes to seed um this is a 17 game season now but every single one of these big games especially does in fact matter because when we get to the playoffs we we absolutely want that to go through era so if you want to uphold that standard and and, and work towards that continue to, to hope for that this is where it starts it starts right here uh, i'm not really worried about the ravens as far as seating goes um the chargers in division yes you should still keep that in the back of your mind but i don't think anyone actually believes in, in their right mind here that uh, the chargers are going to supplant the chiefs in the afc west so uh, the Bills is really where it's at. That's what you've got to focus on, and this needs to be a you know, dress rehearsal for what will hopefully be an AFC title game. Right, and you, and you both mentioned standings. It's worth noting uh, the Chargers and Raiders play tonight. No matter what happens, the Chiefs will still be the fourth seed in the AFC West. Uh, realistically, what they can hope for is a Raiders loss and then a win next week for them, or for the Chiefs against the Bills. And again, the Bills another projected potential one seed for the AFC. Um, this game is huge in terms of tiebreakers and everything. Uh, thank you guys both for coming on. Guys, if you will stick with us, we're going to have a quick ad, and then we're going to get right into our next segment with Britt Zank. Hey, you. Yeah, you. I know what you're looking for. You're looking for dedicated ad space. Dedicated ad space that will be heard by hundreds of Kansas City Chiefs fans. You're looking for an ad partner, one that stays up to date with the analytics, knows how measurements work, and is committed to keeping you up to date on everything you need to know. You're looking for affordable space as well, right? Well, how about right here? Yeah, right here, as we're talking right now, is ad space that I've committed so that you can put your business first and foremost in the Red Kingdom podcast. In order to get a hold of me, all you have to do is email me at borderfeel at gmail.com. We'll stay in contact with you, get something set up, and you'll be right there in front of hundreds of Kansas City Chiefs fans who are just ready to support another one of the loyal Chiefs kingdom. All right, welcome back. Um, here I am with Britt. Britt, today we're going to be reading some hot takes. Normally, when I think of hot takes, um, I typically think about you because... You're the guy in the group chat that's normally telling people, no, you're wrong. That group chat or that that hot take is bad. Don't no stop. Chill out a little bit. Even though uh, I remember the first ever conversation I had with you was was in the Arrowhead live uh, slack where you were talking about it was the 2018 season. You were talking about how if Kansas City didn't win a Super Bowl. It might be the last year. It should be time to consider Andy Reid moving on from Kansas City. 
Yeah, that's kind of what I do. It, 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 most of my <laughs> friends, uh, it drives most of them nuts. So <laughs> I'm good with that. But I have three Twitter hot takes for you. Originally, I had some Facebook hot takes because, uh, but because right now as we're recording this, Facebook is still down. Uh, we're going to have to run with some Twitter hot takes. The first one comes from Matt Verderame, uh, the fan-sided guy. He says, anybody who hasn't watched the Chiefs would think this is insane, but Creed and Creed Humphrey and Trey Smith as rookies both deserve serious Pro Bowl talk. Do you agree or disagree with that? I think I got to agree with Matt on that one. I mean, they've been just dominating. Uh, Creed gave up his first, I think it was even his first pressure, let alone it was his first sack in the game yesterday. Right. Um, but until then, I mean, neither one of them, I don't think I've heard their name, which for an offensive lineman, that's that's what you <laughs> want. There's no penalties. You're not getting blown apart, and I'm seeing your face as the quarterback's getting smoked. But um, I, th- I think they've both played great. Um, they're rookies. And so, you know, there's going to be guys that have the experience ahead of them that fans and whoever does the voting are used to seeing. And, oh, yeah, I just clicked that guy. But through four games, I don't, I haven't seen anything wrong with them. Now I'm not Bill Moss or anything diving deep down into the O-line play yet, but I, like I said, I haven't noticed them. So if I'm not noticing you on the O-line, that's probably a really good thing. Right. We noted in a, in a previous segment today that uh, Creed Humphrey, but was rated by PFF as the third best offensive lineman total playing yesterday and you mentioned he gave up a, a sack his first ever pressure his first ever sack as an nfl player uh yesterday and still getting rated like the third best offensive lineman in the league for the day and he's doing a pretty damn good job i'd say yeah and i mean just just last night against the eagles just think about it they have a guy named fletcher cox that's on their d line right did you hear his name once during the broadcast? Because I didn't. And right after the game, I actually thought to myself, I'm like, where does Fletcher Cox play now? And I had looked it up and he's still <laughs> playing for the Eagles. So I was I was a little confused what had happened. A Chiefs yeah, I mean, when, Go ahead. When when two rookies can shut out a all pro perennial pro bowl D tackle, that's that's pretty good. Yeah, a D tackle that was instrumental in them getting to the Super Bowl a few years ago. So and then I have a second take that essentially comes from our Red Kingdom Twitter. Um, they tweeted out, Chris Jones should stick to being on the inside. This is not a knock on his skill set, but I still think he fits better as a defensive tackle. Yeah, I've, I've talked about this on Twitter with a few people this morning, and I don't. I think it's too early to pull, pull the hook on the experiment right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, number one, it's not like moving him to D-tackle all of a sudden takes us from to a top 10 defense. I mean, it's it's just not going to make that big of a deal. In 2018, he had the best season of his life, and we had a top 10 worst defense in the history of football. Mm-hmm. So clearly him being a D tackle is not some magic elixir that's going to solve all of our problems. And with just four games, he's learning a new spot. Spags is like Andy on the defense where it's just an insanely complicated defensive scheme that takes guys a while, and he hadn't played DN since, what, college at best? Right. So I, I'm I've said on Twitter today when I was talking to people, I said I'd give it to the bye week and just let it go. Now if you get to the bye week and it's still Jerron Reed's not doing anything and Jones has three sacks and twenty tackles on the year, okay, fine, call it a day and move him back before the playoffs. But until then, I just don't see any reason to mess with it. Right. And like like you mentioned, like Spagnolo's defensive system is extremely complicated and 
the different the DN position is going to be extremely complicated with the way that uh, Spags runs the blitz, the way that they bring pressure, and on top of that, like yes, the Chiefs defense has not gotten many pressures on the quarterback. But they've also been an extremely incomplete team, right? Like, Willie Gay is still out. He might come back week uh, week five versus the Bills. Uh, Frank Clark has, what, one game this season? Uh, I don't um, know if he played the whole game in the first game. Right. Tyron Matthew was out with coronavirus the first game. Uh, he came back in week two, but you could tell he still wasn't 100%. Um, guys like Willie Gay, or not Willie Gay, Juan Thornhill are missing in action. Um, and then this last week, Rashad Fenton wasn't in, was it Charveris Ward was also not playing? Yeah. Yeah. Ward was out too. So like to judge this team, to judge any part of this defense, I mean, yes, there are parts of this defense that definitively you can be like, okay, you're not doing a good job. But like, if the team isn't all together, like they've practiced all off season, like they've schemed for, it's hard to really judge that team very harshly. And on top of that, if we want to talk about the offenses they played at least the first two, maybe three weeks, you know, you played a Browns team that should have been in the AFC championship game last year. That definitely could have made an AFC championship game and definitely can make one this year. You're talking about a Ravens team. Yes, you got ran all over by arguably the best running running quarterback of all time, right? Second, maybe to Vic if he hasn't overtaken Vic already. And then, like, week three, you played a Chargers team, not only that is fairly familiar with your system, but also Justin Herbert is no joke. He's not a bad quarterback. They don't have bad players at their skill positions. They've been very talented at the skill positions for a long time. It's just been the quarterback that's been holding them back. So, like, those first three weeks, heavily judging a team by those first three weeks, those first three offenses you played feels, it feels like maybe you're jumping the gun a little bit. You came to a conclusion then are trying to justify it now. Yeah. And I, I think the same thing. I mean, like you've said with the injuries, our, our starting defense that Veach and Andy put this team together for with Spags hasn't played one snap together. Mm -hmm. And I mean, this week you didn't have gay, you didn't have Clark, you didn't have Ward, you didn't have Fenton. I mean, that's, Ward's a starter, Clark's a starter, and Gay's, I mean, that's three starters you don't have in there. And, you know, when you're blocking, going back to the Chris Jones thing, if you're blocking right now, you got Dan on the other side. If you're a defense, if you're an offensive line, are you worried about Mike Dana that you're like, hey, we need to chip, we need to make sure we got another guy? No, Dan is a good player, but he's nothing you're terrified of. Mm -hmm. Naughty's not a pass guy he's great he's good at run stuffing when he can but you know you're not worried about him on a pass rush and reed has been the same thing chris jones he's new to the system he's figuring it out so he hasn't been a factor so i mean if you're an offensive line if you're an offensive line coach or a play caller yeah double triple team chris jones nobody else is going to beat us and that's what he's been seeing all day and you know with the defense it's the same thing like you said they face the browns the ravens the Chargers and the Eagles who got a running quarterback and the probably, if not the one of the top three fastest wide receiver cores in the league mm -hmm. going against our third and fourth corner. I mean, it's not a surprise that the defense has been getting beaten like a drum lately, really, but that's why there's, I'm not panic mode. Like so many people are where, Oh God, we may not even make the playoffs if this defense stays this bad. That's just stupid. You know, you got Bolton's new, 
Reed's new. Uh, Hughes, Baker are new guys, new to Spag's system, which is like Andy. It's why I don't expect Josh Gordon to come in and have 10 catches and 150 yards next week. Right. It's going to take a while to get this system down, and which is why Spag's defenses always start out slow. And then by, you know, they get better and better. And by hopefully by the playoffs, that's when they're hitting their stride. Right. Absolutely. Um, and it's worth noting, you do mention Baker. Baker has looked good in this system despite being new, right? Like if we assume he's also on the same learning curve, we might be talking in a few weeks about DeAndre Baker being a fantastic cornerback for this system, which again, it feels like every year we go through this with Brett Veach where we we have conversations about why isn't Brett Veach spending money on on cornerbacks? Why isn't he spending money in the secondary? And then the the cornerbacks he's assembled do their job at least enough, if not fairly decently, like they did uh, towards the end of the 2019 season. And then we're all having to have a, another conversation like, I don't know how Veach continues to do this. It's like, it's, it's a endless cycle we keep doing. Yeah, I mean, at, at some point, you, I hope at some point people just go, well, that's what he's good at. I mean, I've, I'm a big Royals fan. I watch the Royals. Dayton Moore builds a bullpen every single year. <laughs> I don't know how. It's a bunch of nobodies nobody's ever heard of, but they always work. So at some point, you just go, eh, he's going to figure it out because he always does. I mean, at some point, Veach with the corners is the same thing. It doesn't seem like enough, but hey, it's worked every year, so I'll trust it. And like our last hot take here, really goes into the defense um it's actually from keaton henry our owner here at borderfield he says time for spags to go hurts is very good but the rest of that eagle squad is unproven and unreliable yet they kept it way too close until the end um do you think do you think spags is still in a good spot here in kansas city do you think kansas city still good with spags or do you think maybe there's a better option no i think spags is fine in kansas city i mean are do the fans are the fans going to go nuts? Of course they are, because that's what fans do. And I love Keaton for this one, because I know he doesn't actually probably really think it's time for Spags to go, but it's a good <laughs> take. But we know Andy's loyalty to his guys. I mean, hell, it took him how many years to get rid of Sutton? Oh, yeah. Sutton was there three years too long. Yeah. So Spags isn't going anywhere for at least two, three more years at minimum. And People need you got, to stop freaking out about the defense. <laughs> <laughs> right. You got to think, um, I think it's the late, great Therese Paler always talked about coaches get Super Bowl protection. If you win a Super Bowl, either as a head coach, a position coach, a coordinator, whatever, you get Super Bowl protection, which means when it's time for you to be fired, you get a few more years of protection because remember, you won a Super Bowl. Spag's first year with this defense, he won a Super Bowl. And then his second year here, he went to a Super Bowl. So like, like, yeah, it, it, especially when you're in a place like Kansas City, that's, you know, won one Super Bowl in 50 years, you know, right. <laughs> we're really going to, I mean, don't get me wrong. I think we should be in every Super Bowl for the next however many years Patrick Mahomes plays mm -hmm. that should be the expectation and anything below that is a failure but at the same time I don't you know I don't have a nice collection of fancy fake rings in my in my office to make myself look cool because you know the Chiefs only have two of them so and and like I said everybody needs something to panic about when it comes to fans every year in Kansas City you know I don't remember seeing New England Patriots twitter or anything blowing up when they lost two two games early in the season or something 
but Kansas City, we just can't help ourselves. We have to, for some reason, find a way that the roof's caving in and everything's going to hell in a handbasket. It's exactly, you know, even in 2018, people I've already seen today people saying, you can't win with a defense this bad. And, you know, the playoffs are scary. I'm like, you realize in 2018, we literally had a top 10 worst defense in NFL history mm-hmm. and was one idiot away from being in the Super Bowl. Right. So, we yes, were, you can win with a defense this bad. We were D Ford over the line of scrimmage. And like that defense doesn't have Tyron Matthew in it yet. That defense doesn't have Frank Clark in it yet or Willie Gay or all these extra pieces we've added since then. This was the the Justin Houston, Eric Barry, who I don't think Eric Barry was playing that AFC championship game. If, if he was, he was extremely limited. Yeah, he played in it, but he was, I mean, nothing. Basically, he was a body out there at that point. We were D Ford being like three inches over the line of scrimmage from going to a Super Bowl in 2018 with, like you said, a top 10 worst defense in NFL history. DVOA stats came out today revealing that the Chiefs' current defense is the 23rd worst in history. It's still 13 places better than that defensive team that they almost took to a Super Bowl without as good of an offensive line, without as good as a defense. Yeah, and... Let's be real. Nobody expects this. And if you do, you're just not paying attention to the sport of football. Like we said, we, we've been missing starters and guys every single game. They're going to get healthy. Nobody's missing career ending, you know, crazy injuries. It's a hamstring that's got to heal up, a concussion we're getting over, turf toe. They're going to be back soon. Mm-hmm. And then we'll see. Again, it's spags. They always start slow. They build as things go. That's going to get fixed. I'm not saying they're going to be a top 10 defense, but if they get to, it's just like 2018 all over again. They just need to be top 25. No, 20 to 22, somewhere in there. After that, uh, we walk to the Super Bowl and walk away winning it because you can't stop Mahomes and this offense. And it's the same thing I said in 2018 when we were talking in Arrowhead Live and people were, I always said, the defense doesn't have to be great. The defense has to be good enough every day. They were good enough to beat the Ravens. Mm-hmm. If CEH doesn't fumble, uh, we win. Right. If it weren't for four turnovers, the Chiefs beat the Chargers pretty handily. Yeah. And, and people just need to stop looking at the defense. For some reason, I watch games and I watched the, the Charger game with my dad. And it was frustrating because, you know, he's from the nineties and thinks we should have a top five defense. If you don't, you're horrible. Mm-hmm. And it's like watching the game yesterday. People, the defense is just getting walked all over. They held them to field goals. If you right. hold a, def- a team to field goals against the chiefs offense, we win every single week without even hesitating. So stop looking at the defense that they have to be the Oh one Baltimore Ravens or else you're going to be mad. Keep teams out of the end zone. That's your job. That's the only job I care about this defense having. More often than not, keep them out of the end zone. We'll win. And it's worth noting with the with the Kansas City Chiefs' new offensive line, right? If you have a defense that is just good enough to potentially stop you or potentially get a field goal out of you instead of a touchdown, the Kansas City Chiefs' def- offensive line can keep them running the ball, can keep the ball on the side of the Kansas City Chiefs. So if there really is a matchup where, like, offensively, the Kansas City Chiefs are afraid they can't keep up, if their defense is good enough, like, the offense is, has the ability to take care of business from there, right? Because yeah. at any point, if the run stops working, well, you have Patrick Mahomes. 
And if Patrick Mahomes stops working, well, you have the run. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it's it's a good complementary system they got they they've built up and they've designed specifically for this i mean that's that's why we the team we are the team we are and then okay so i can't i can't get this one specifically because it was on facebook but uh, a positive hot take i ended up reading was um new england always used to start like this the lakers have started like this the last few years the dodgers have looked like this at multiple times throughout the last few seasons champions always start slow but it's always what they do late in the season is that what kansas city is doing right now are they are they the champion material that is starting slow but is just gonna take care of business like the patriots used to when it comes to january yeah definitely and it and frankly it makes sense when you think about it from a human being standpoint they know how good they are Mm -hmm. it's not a surprise travis kelsey tyree i mean everybody knows we were picked to win the super bowl by everybody and their mom so it's human nature if you know you're really great at something at the you know you go to work what's the first thing you do at work in the morning is it really that big of a deal nah not really i just kind of do it okay maybe you misspelled something or messed something up there but then when the big thing comes and it's like okay your boss gives you the project for the day where you okay now let's get serious that's what the chiefs are Mm -hmm. I keep telling people and they haven't quite figured it out in Kansas city. The regular season does not matter. We are going to the playoffs period. Unless Patrick Mahomes gets his leg cut off. We are going to the playoffs every single year. I frankly don't care if we get the buy. I'm not scared of Patrick Mahomes going to Buffalo. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm not scared of Patrick Mahomes going to Baltimore or wherever we have to go. I would prefer to have the number one seed, but I don't really care. And they do this. They feel the same way. Now, of course, they want to win every game. Of course, they're getting up for the game. But at the same time, it's a now 17 game long season. Yeah. That's a long season to. And on the flip side, we're the champs and everybody wants to knock off the champs. So whereas it's week five for us, that's it. It's week five. It's the Super Bowl for them. Oh yeah. It this week against Buffalo, it's their Super Bowl because they're 0-2 against the Chiefs. They have to prove something. We don't have to prove anything. If we win, what's it what's everybody go? Chiefs are still really good. Cool. (laughs) If Buffalo wins, oh, my God, the new favorites in the AFC. Who's going to take down Buffalo from here on? You know, that's just – that's how it is. And the players all know this. The coaches all know this. If I'm Andy, I'm not emptying the cupboard in week five. Mm -hmm. I got a whole playbook I'm saving for the playoffs. If I'm Spags, I got 15 blitz packages I'm saving for the playoffs because I know we're getting there, and I know those are the games that matter. So I think that's just a championship. When you know you're that good, it's not getting lazy. It's not being too big on your own hype or anything. It's just human nature. I know where I'm going. I know I'm going to get there. If I have a bump in the road or two, big deal. I'm still getting there. I'm still going to be there. And then we'll talk. Right. No, yeah, I completely agree. 
Uh, but that is that is the time we have for this segment. Thank you, Britt, for coming on. You'll, of course, be on the show as often as I can get you on here. I love having you on here. Uh, thanks, guys, for listening. We'll have one more segment. Stick around. Hey, huge shout out to Britt Zank, Christopher Tenpenny, Keaton Henry for being on the first ever episode of Red Kingdom. Appreciate those guys. Make sure to go support them. You can go support the podcast on Twitter at Red Kingdom BF is where you'll find us. You'll find our site. You'll find all of our writers. They do amazing work over there. The biggest shout out, of course, today goes to you, the listener, for sticking through our first ever episode of Red Kingdom. Of course, there'll be more to come every Tuesday, 1 p.m. Make sure to like, follow, rate, comment, whatever your preferred podcasting platform likes you to do. Then go ahead, hit that share button, send it to a friend, get it to as many people as possible so that they too can join the Red Kingdom.